British bands touring the States made it a point to stop by Laurel Canyon for a party or two. Beetles, stones, animals, yardbirds, and the rest. Some never left. The British blues legend John Mayall bought a house just over the ridge from Mitchell's place. It was Brigadoon meets the Brill Building, and the repercussions thirty-odd years later continued to pour from radios, iPods, and concert stages around the world. During Laurel Canyon's golden era, the musicians who lived and worked there scored dozens of landmark hits from Sweet, Judy Blue Eyes, to California Dreamin', to My Opening Farewell, to It's Too Late, while selling tens of millions of records and resetting the thermostat of pop culture worldwide. Besides Mitchell, Crosby, Stills, King, Mayall, and the Mamas and the Papas, Canyonites' permanent and transient included Frank Zappa, Jackson Brown, Chris Hillman, Roger McGuinn of The Birds, Glenn Fry and Don Henley of The Eagles, Love's Arthur Lee, the songwriter Jimmy Webb, Judy Collins, Nick St. Nicholas of Steppenwolf, Mickey Dolenz of The Monkees, Mark Volman of The Turtles, John Densmore, and Robbie Krieger of The Doors. The musicians flocking to the canyon at night Caterwauling coyotes and hooting owls made you marvel that you were only five minutes from the noise and neon of the Sunset Strip, constituted an unprecedented breed of incipient celebrity. The rocker hippie, as much a work in progress as the music they made. As a group, they were nominally counterculture, favoring long hair and thrift shop apparel, but possessed of ambition as blinding as any junior investment banker in a Brooks Brothers suit. Thanks to this incredible influx of talent, Laurel Canyon, and with it Los Angeles, wrested from New York and London the bragging rights of musical capital of the world, and held them through the 1970s. The canyon's musicians took traditional folk, British rock, and savvy pop American songcraft, and melded them into a sound that triumphed as thoroughly as the songs of the Beatles and the Rolling Stones. All of this happened without the ocean of hype that launched San Francisco's great Paisley coming-out party during 1967's fabled Summer of Love. Although Haight-Ashbury generated some indelible records, it never came close to coalescing into the commercial and cultural juggernaut spearheaded in Laurel Canyon and Los Angeles. I felt I had reached nirvana, Graham Nash told me. I was in love with Joni, we were living together in Laurel Canyon, I had this new relationship with David and Stephen, and it was producing music that was thrilling me to death. To be part of this boiling pot of music 12 hours a day, every day, it was an amazing scene. Recall Jackson Brown, who lived at the time in the laundry room of the music impresario Billy James's Laurel Canyon home. There was amazing tribal life. There were houses supported by record companies, groups living with an account at the health food store, Ron Stone, Mitchell's former manager, has a clear memory of driving his Alfa Romeo up Laurel Canyon Boulevard and hearing song after song from Sergeant Pepper wafting down from the cabins and bungalows all the way home. It was a magical time, he says. Laurel Canyon has always attracted blithe, free-spirited celebrities. Over the years, Mary Astor, Tom Mix, Natalie Wood, Orson Welles, and David Niven had lived there. But it never acquired the cachet of Beverly Hills, perhaps because its famous tended to cohabit with infamy. Across the street from Mix's house, 
a log cabin with a bowling alley in the basement, later to be occupied by Frank Zappa, was a large estate supposedly connected to the mixed cabin via underground tunnel, which later burned under the requisite mysterious circumstances. A three-room cabin on Ridpath Drive, L.A. Vice dubbed it the Reefer Ranch, provided a suitably scuzzy mise-en-scene for Robert Mitchum's 1948 marijuana bust. While the rest of Los Angeles and the San Fernando Valley boomed in the 1950s, Laurel Canyon seemed to exist out of time, so much so that by the 1960s its Hansel and Gretel cottages and fraying mansions had become embarrassing vestiges of a discredited era, when one could, in perfect seriousness, name a real estate development Bungalow Land, a subdivision actually built in the canyon in the early 1900s, and advertise its bigoted ownership covenant right on the billboard. Or...